and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims, and today it feels like uh, the old Johnny Carson Tonight Show when they had a guest host, but the guests happened to be Bob Hope and Dean Martin. Uh, today, we are joined by uh, Admirals owner Harris Turr and team president John Greenberg. Of course, the news of the day yesterday and, and will be for a while is that the Admirals have opted out, along with two other teams from the American Hockey League season. Uh, for the remainder of the 2021 season, uh, and we'll look toward next year. Uh, Harris and John, thank you so much for the time. Uh, Harris, we'll start with you, and, and I know you've explained this quite a bit, but uh, there may be a new audience listening. If, if you wouldn't mind, uh, just talk about the decision and, and the thoughts behind the reasoning behind it. Well, first of all, I'm happy that you didn't say I was Joan Rivers uh, hosting <laughs> the Tonight Show, so that's good. Um, I'm, I'm really happy we have this opportunity to talk to uh, the fans who are listening. And, uh, you know, this was a very difficult decision. And uh, John and I put in a tremendous amount of time, John especially, uh, researching every aspect of what we were going to have to face in order to be able to play a season, what it would look like, what it would cost, and what if any fans we could possibly have. And John did a lot of work with uh, the city of Milwaukee trying to understand, you know, what could we do? Could we have any fans? I mean, he, he the discussions were very extensive. And then how much testing was going to go on? And that became a big issue because testing doesn't just mean testing, it means costs, costs to our organization that were very going to be very significant. And as we sit here today, we honestly, even if we had opted in, we would not know what those costs would be. Right. Because besides the players and the, and the staff that's inside that locker room, our entire staff would have to be uh, tested on a regular basis as well, because we would have contact with the players. And even if you didn't, you'd have contact with somebody who has contact with the players. So, you know, these so many of the costs that we started looking at, building costs, you know, rent, putting in the ice, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It just, it was very significant. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And on the revenue side, it was minimal to nothing. And so then the decision had to be made, is this really worth it? And, that, and that's what it really came down to, was this gonna be worth it for us? And in my opinion, and in John's opinion, it was not. It didn't make any sense for us to be able to put, pay all this money, have no revenue, and play a season that I would describe as, um, I don't want to say meaningless, but not have the same. Glorified scrimmages, quite honestly. Glorified scrimmages. We're, we're I'll let you call it that. Well, I, I will. I, I, basically, what it's coming down to, Harris, and it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, is and, and the NHL needs its prospects to play. There's no doubt about that, but, but there's no playoff or there's not a plan for a Calder cup playoff. I don't believe. So it, it basically comes down to scrimmages basically. Right. Exactly. And so I didn't, I didn't think we could that any way we could justify spending that kind of money. And uh, we made the decision and I think it's the right one to opt out of this season and start working towards the 21-22 season, which we believe will be normal as we all know it and, and the fun and excitement that we always have at Admiral's Games will be back. John, I, I want to go to you about testing. I, I know you've done, a, as Harris said, a lot of work and, 
and talking. It's amazing how many people have to be involved in this conversation. And, and I guess people may understand, but it's, I think, even more amazing that there's many more than people think. Uh, when it comes to testing, um, there's uh, an amount, there's a mandate as to how many tests, there's a mandate on who gets tested on, on visiting teams, there's a mandate. Uh, the law in Milwaukee is different than the law in Chicago, which is different than the law. I mean, all of this stuff you can explain in greater detail, but, but all of these things, Harris talks about the unknown. It, it kind of is unknown. It really is unknown. It certainly is. And, uh, uh, you know, that's probably to me, the biggest uh, challenge that the league is going to have uh, moving forward is getting its uh, arms around all the different jurisdictions and the, the rules for each one uh, as what's expected, as well as, you know, let's say I'm playing in uh, Grand Rapids, for example, and I have to be, the state of Michigan says you have to be tested six times a week. And then I go to Illinois and it's three times a week. Mm -hmm. Well, do you really want the players who are only getting tested on the ice three or tested three times a week playing against the guys who are getting tested six times a week? It would just seem like, uh, you, you know, a lot of uh, guys getting put into difficult positions uh, that way. In addition, as Harris mentioned, it's not just uh, it's not just the players and the people that are in the locker room. It's also our staff, but it's also the Zamboni drivers, right. the guys working the penalty boxes. Um, you know, it, it this is a trick. Secure, security people, obviously. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of additional people that are going to have to go through this, and. Uh, the costs that we were giving initially were for really the base minimum of, uh, of testing that would be accepted. And I would tell you that after a lot of conversations, that minimum uh, was not really acceptable to, to teams. And so they had to, had to go back to the drawing board and uh, we're all still waiting for what those protocols will be. And they have, you know, we have to pass those over to Nashville and they'll have to figure out how to do this because when they need to call a guy up, you know, there's NHL protocols that have to be followed. So a guy that's playing in our league has to figure out how, you know, they have to figure out how to make sure when that guy needs to be called up that he can actually perform. Uh, and so it's, uh, uh, it is really, really a complicated um, issue that people have been working on for many months. And uh, now that uh, training camps are scheduled to start really, in about 10 days to two weeks um, to get a February 5th start, you know, the, uh, the pressure is on to get these things figured out. So it's almost like the NHL is going to use those taxi squads, like for lack of a better term, it's sort of like purgatory to use a, a, a religious reference, right? We do that a lot on this podcast, but it's like, <laughs> in order, <laughs> right. So like to get, you can't go from, you can't go from, uh, if, if we were playing, you couldn't go from Milwaukee to play for Nashville the next night. Like that's, that won't, that would not be allowed. So you have, you'd almost have the predators need to take someone from the taxi squad and move them in. And that player then would replace the taxi squad member. And so it's, and the taxi squads, I was, I was actually a little surprised to see this. If, the, if a player's on a two-way deal, they get paid their AHL salary on the taxi yeah. squad, Yeah, which I, I don't I, I I don't love that idea to be honest I, I uh, sort of I don't know uh, but so my point in all that though is that there is so many logistical issues with calling guys up and everything and then the taxi squad creates an issue on the back end of like an AHL roster because they need to fill those 
four to six players that are on the taxi squad, those are AHL players, right? So you'd have to bring up guys from the coast or, or whatever. So there, there's just so many logistical issues involved with this. Charlie, you couldn't have described it better. And I think it became extremely complicated, not only for us, but for Nashville to understand what they wanted to do and how they were going to handle this. And it's, you know, I, I, I'm very complimentary to uh, Scott Nickel, Brian Poyle, David Poyle. I, I thought they handled the situation, you know, super, super well with us and very grateful for being able to work through this and having a good relationship as we came through and made the decision not to play. They were very understanding of our situation and they look forward to continuing to the great relationship, the great relationship we have had uh, for so many years. Let's follow with that because that has been a big concern that we see on, on Facebook and Twitter and wherever people are posting social media wise. How does this affect the relationship with the Nashville predators? And they don't, they won't have Milwaukee this season, but I don't know that it affects it any at all. I don't want to put words into your mouth, Harris, but. I, I don't see it at all. I mean, I'll be, I'd be shocked if it did. Uh, like I said, throughout the, this entire process, we've had open communication and uh, I think uh, we're in a great position with those guys and I don't foresee any changes at all to the relationship. I have to say, I actually was pleasantly surprised by some of it. I thought maybe they'd be upset that we had, we were making this decision and, but not at all. They completely understood. Uh, John, I, I don't know what your views were, but. Yeah, they were on board right from the beginning that uh, this was our decision they were very empathetic uh, to our our position here um, certainly David uh, Poyle's quote in the press release that went out absolutely speaks to uh, the strength of our relationship um, you know and certainly most of the, our talk over the last few months has been with Brian Poyle and Scott Nickel but uh, David has been involved over the last uh, several weeks and um uh, the message has been consistent all the way through. Um, we are an important piece of what they do, and we've uh, been a very positive piece of what they do, and they want that to continue. So uh, we believe our relationship with Nashville uh, remains as strong as it's ever been. It should be pointed out that 19 of the teams in the American Hockey League are owned by their parent club. Uh, and several of those have moved to be closer to their parent club. So San Diego is not playing in San Diego, for example. Providence is not playing in Providence. Binghamton is not playing in Binghamton. Uh, I bring this up because uh, to, to, just to highlight the fact that there are 12 independently owned teams, um, and it, it is a financial decision to, for, the, for the health, the long-term health of whatever franchise that there may be. Exactly. I'm going to say, you know, one of the key elements in this decision and, and costs that we were going to be facing were the costs at our building. And this is not a slight to the people at the Wisconsin Center District. Not at all. Uh, the cost of they business. have costs. Yeah. They have real costs that they have to take care of. And so they all they did was we went through with them what it was going to cost to be able to put ice in, maintain the ice, lighting, the staff that's there to do the games. Cause the game still, we still needed a, a camera crews and sound and uh, everything. You still have to do the games like they're, you know, like you have fans there. And uh, 
you know, one of the things that a number of these teams are going to be able to do is play in a practice facility. Right. And the reason is because there's some practice facility nearby where they are that has everything they need. And most importantly, curved glass. Mo- there are no rinks in the Milwaukee area that have curved glass other than our building. Could you, could you so, just describe, I'm sorry to interrupt, Harris. Can you just describe what, what curved glass is? Like, we know what curved glass is, but for people who might not understand, like, hey, of course the glass is, the glass is curved, right? That's what a <laughs> hockey rink is shaped. But tell people what I'll curved give, glass is. So people who, if, for people to basically understand what it is, if you look at some of the areas near, let's say, the team benches and the, uh, in those spots, there are uh, open areas. You, know, you see the bench, the players are right there. And then eventually glass starts. Well, there used to be pretty sharp glass and guys would get checked into that glass and it was very and a post deep. too. And posts. Exactly. Well, they created glass that they actually curved around so that it's rounded. I'm sure it doesn't feel real good to get checked into that, but it feels a lot better than it used to. And so um, that's why they went to the curved glass a number of years ago. And we're the only facility in the area that has it. So we had to play at the building. And the costs at the building are significant, far more significant than they would be if you play at, in essence, like a youth hockey ring. Uh, I, I might add, for people who are wondering why they need curved glass, boy, if I could, Aaron, you might need to help me remember, Cody, Cody Bass blew up a guy uh, when we were playing, I believe at the Bradley Center, I think, and I think it was against Iowa or Chicago. I'll figure it out and I'll put it in the comments uh, below where he blew a guy up into the corner of our bench. And it just like, it, it sounded like yeah. if that hadn't been curved glass, this guy might've been decapitated, uh, which would have been a real issue uh, on the ice. No question. No question. A real uh, mess to clean up at decapitation. No doubt. Oh about yeah. It. It's, I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the gore and the blood, but yeah. um, so curved glass is, is important. It sounds like a trivial thing, but it's really, it's a, it's a major safety issue. Exactly. And so, you know, we knew we had to play at the uh, Panther arena and thus we had to work with the building on creating, figure out what the costs were going to be to be able to play there. And they are extremely significant. And someone may say, well, you don't, you do this every year anyways. No, it's very different because we're under contract and, and in the contract, and it would be years, each year you have, you play, for example, the admirals are generating revenue, not only for ourselves, but for the building. We have facility fees, we have uh, rent, there's uh, revenue that they, the building generates from uh, concessions. So the building is generating revenue in other ways in order to pay for this. And thus they don't pass on these extreme, these significant costs to us because they have it covered in other ways. But now, because there's no revenue, thus they have to pass all the costs on to us. And so that's, I think, something, one of the things that people, when I'm seeing on social media, they may not understand. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And and to clarify too, you, you said this with the Predators, but our relationship with the building in the Wisconsin Center District and UW-Milwaukee Panther Arena is still very good, right? It, it oh, is- it's it's great. I mean, we, we're we very lucky. We have a great staff we work with, Marty Brooks and Krista Momsen and uh, everyone. Uh, they, are, they are huge fans of ours and we're huge fans of theirs. And they allow us to produce a great event 
each and every night that we are able to play. And we're very grateful for uh, all the work that we've been able, that we've done with them over the years. And we look forward to working with them uh, for the 21-22 season beyond. Uh, John, I, I, when we hear from other teams in the American Hockey League, the, the hope is that fans will be allowed eventually later on, maybe in May or something like that. But, but as of now, by and large, fans are not allowed anywhere. And that is really a hope more than anything. Cause we, like you said, there, there's so many unknowns when a deadline is coming up in a week to whether you want to play speaking of yesterday. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are a handful less than a handful of teams that can actually have fans right now. Um, I know Iowa can put some people in their seats and uh, Texas um, and I believe Cleveland can have some small amount of people in their building. Um, but, you know, in our case, um, the thought of, well, gosh, we might be able to have fans in late April or early May, well, but by that time, we may only have two home games left. Right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to do that. The season is scheduled to end on May 16th. So, you know, you just kind of have to back that up as to, okay, well, how many games might we be able to do this with? And if you want to backload your schedule, well, that's going to be, that's hard to do. I mean, you still have to, play road, you know, play road games and you still have to travel um, and you have to deal with all of that. And, uh, you know, these teams that are going to be playing out of their practice practice facilities aren't all of a sudden just going to be moving into their arenas. uh, Once all of a sudden fans are allowed, once they start one way, uh, that's how they're going to finish. So, um, you know, the, the cost as we talked about with uh, the WCD, those costs exist in every market. Right. to be able to go and do these things. So, for example, in Chicago, Allstate Arena isn't allowing them to put ice in. So they're playing at the practice facility there, uh, which they built brand new last year and put curved glass in so that it mirrored what they were used to playing. So uh, good forth- for, uh, foresight there on their part to be able to, uh, to do that. There was, John, uh, several comments uh, online about, well, why don't they just play the games and to keep interest, put the games on TV, put more games on TV. But again, it comes down to costs that, that it, it, it costs money to have a television production. It costs money, obviously to play to the, have games. the games on the air, but, but yeah. to have the games on the air as well. This isn't the NHL where NBC and ESPN and whoever else are vying for the rights and paying money to, to broadcast the games. That's not the case. No, and I would tell you that we actually did uh, have in our modeling, um, if we were able to play, we did have television included in that, a significant amount of televised games. So uh, we did think of that. That was certainly part of the the expense that we had laid out for ourselves to try and figure out whether we were going to do that. So had we uh, had we played, we would have been doing more television. Uh, we we've kind of... Uh, I would say more than dipped our toe into the television water over the last uh, couple of seasons. Uh, you know, last year we were supposed to end up with nine games on TV. We ended up with seven because the last two got uh, uh, canceled. But you know, we're we are doing more of that, and uh, certainly the plan would have been to have more TV if we'd have uh, moved forward with playing. What what has been the plan for the AHL as far as AHL TV goes? Are they is every these teams are going to play in practice facilities, quite a few of them. And there is uh, a standard. Yes. Yeah. But there's a standard for AHL TV. Like we, we like the admirals and many other teams put out a really impressive product. How are they going to replicate that when you go play at a practice rink? 
Well, you're not going to have a seven camera show uh, out of your practice rink. So right. have a, you'll have a, a feed and people will be able to see it and you're going to just have to kind of go with it for the year. I mean, I mean it, it, it reminds me of when we used to broadcast our preseason games at the Kern Center where I got, you know, the $300 camcorder that I had to beg and plead for, for John to, to let me buy. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're string on a tripod and we're stringing cables all over the place and telling people, Hey, don't trip on that. And oh, look out. Oh, don't step there. And now some guy decides to unplug it out of the wall and suddenly we're down and Aaron's <laughs> swearing. And like, I, I just, that's sort of what I'm picturing. I hope it goes much better than that, but that's what I picture. Well, uh, we'll hope it goes better than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's let's look ahead. I, I I don't know. Is there anything that that needs to be relayed uh, about the decision that that we haven't touched on before we look to what's coming up in the future? No, I think it's just a matter of uh, you know. I think what you're going to get to is kind of what fans should expect from a ticketing perspective and things like that. But um, we uh, will have a frequently asked questions uh, area on our website. Uh, we've done a really good job, in my opinion of being transparent with our season ticket holders over the last 10 months about everything going on. And now they are uh, hearing about uh, how they'll uh, have a benefit by staying with us uh, moving forward. Uh, if you're paid in full by the uh, uh, end of January, you get an extra 10 of your investment uh, put into your account. So basically you could use that for you know, smaller ticket packages or anything like that, or even for your, to help start paying for your season tickets for the 22-23 season. Yeah. Far out. So um, I'm sure we'll get into some of that, but uh, fans should know that, uh, you know, we, we greatly appreciate their loyalty over the last 10 months and um, they're, they're sticking with us means the world to us. I mean, that's a, that's not an insignificant amount, 10%. If my retirement fund was pulling in 10% every year, I'd probably be done. Um, but you know, my it's not. So uh, to have that 10% is is pretty significant for people to be able to, to utilize. You know, we hope that they use it and bring friends and family members to, to games and people maybe who haven't experienced Admirals hockey and uh, remind them how, if they haven't been in a game for a while, how much fun it is and uh, it's, we, we just, we needed to find a way to say thank you to the people who have been so generous and supportive of us. And I just want to remind everyone that believe me that this decision was not, did not come easily. It took time. It took a lot of effort. Uh, I'm very grateful. Uh, and everyone should know the amount of work that John Greenberg put into this to, to get to the decision that we had to make. But uh, we, we took this very seriously. We know how much, Admirals hockey means to so many people. And so it was not a decision we just made hastily. It was something that we thought about and it, it, it is the right one though for, for our organization. So basically fans, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm right. It, 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 to follow up Harris, the team had been preparing all along for a season in October. Then when things changed, it had been preparing for a season, but obviously you also have to prepare and as you always do, you prepare for seasons down the line as well. So the preparation has been there. I am so impressed. I mean, literally Aaron, since uh, 
God, last March, April, our staff in, in each area has not was not only prepared to handle and deal with the circumstances we were dealt with when we had to shut the season down, but we're preparing for how we were going to start doing our business for the 2021 season and beyond. And so one of the things I told our staff yesterday before the announcement was, we are so ready for the 21-22 season. We have put the pieces in place. Normally, we start putting those pieces in place in May, June, uh, and this year we're, do, we're ready. We are ready to go. I mean, you look at Mike Wojciechowski, uh, uh, who deals with all of our uh, major partners, He's had talks with them nonstop. So they're ready to go. They will now know when we're playing, what it's going to be, and we can get them locked up and ready to go for uh, the 21-22 season. So it, it, our staff did an amazing job preparing. When you prepare, I'm sorry to interrupt, Charlie. When you prepare sure. for the 21-22 season, then, John, is it kind of what we did for this last season with – full house with half capacity with with all of that or is it just I, I guess we've learned that we have to do it that way right well we certainly have that all in our back pocket but we are moving forward as if we're going to have a regular season with full crowds in our in our building um, we expect that over the course of this year uh, our sports teams in our community are going to start seeing uh, attendance uh, at their events so the Brewers uh, the Packers college football all that kind of stuff well before we get started. And um, uh, I, I believe in Dr. Fauci. <laughs> Dr. Fauci says we can get to herd immunity by late May or early June, then that is awesome for everybody. And uh, that's kind of the way we're working at it. But we certainly have uh, uh, all of those uh, plans that have been made to play with 25% or 50%. Uh, we certainly have those in a, in a folder that we hope we never have to use, but uh, they're there if we need them. But, and, and just as uh, I, I'm sorry to go back to this, you say you talk about the 25 and the 50% capacity plans. We have those plans, uh, but that was never an option, right? We, have, we were not all from the county or the city of Milwaukee Health Department. We couldn't have said, well, here's the 25% plan. Can we do this? Like the answer was no. Yeah, it's really was it, you know. was it 10 people we could have at a game? Yes. 10 people. So that's none of the above in terms of 25%, 50%. And uh, it just was never a possibility. Yeah. Uh, but uh, looking forward, our offices aren't going to be shutting down, right? What's the, what's the plan for the admirals to be out and about for the, uh, you know, for the next uh, six, eight, nine months? Well, we'll be out there. Uh, Jerry and loving every loving every minute of it, yeah. <laughs> Thin layer <Larry> Gabardine. <laughs> uh, no, we uh, we're open. Uh, we've been open. We will remain open. Um, our staff is uh, ready to go. As I told everybody uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday was our closure of 2020. So that was like our New Year's Eve. Today is New Year's Day. It's a brand new time. It's time to start and move forward uh, towards October and. Uh, uh, so we're here ready to go and we will be out there in the community. We will be uh, finding a lot of ways to, to stay out there in front of people and uh, uh, kind of charging our staff with uh, finding a lot of those ways to do that. We talked a lot about uh, uh, being involved in, 
in youth hockey uh, in our you know area uh, as a way to certainly stay with our our grassroots uh, base, um, making sure we're out in front of them. And uh, there will be there will be more uh, for sure. And as time goes along and the situation eases, uh, we'll be out there even more after that. So uh, I would tell people that uh, the Admirals are here and uh, we are ready to go. Beautiful. I don't know about guys. I I saw the NHL is selling naming rights to their divisions. Maybe divisions. We, we yeah. buy one of the divisions and we call it the Admirals Division. There you go. <laughs> we really I, stay relevant. I think that's fantastic. There you, there go. you go. Harris, we'll give you the final word here. Uh, I just thanks for the time, guys, to be able to come on and talk about this. Uh, we are sorry that we're not playing this year, but we do know that it was the right decision for our organization. Um, please, all of you out there, please keep the faith. We're coming back. We're not going anywhere. I've seen some of that. I wonder if they'll ever play again. No, no, we're coming back. There's no worry uh, on that. And uh, our, our organization is going to be ready to go. And we're going to have the best season we've ever put together for 21-22. Very good. Harris, John, thank you so much for joining us here and doing this. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, Charlie. Good yeah. show. Hey, great, great show. Great show. <laughs> That'll do it. I don't, I don't know. think it was that great. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was calling you Bob Hope. It was great. Yeah. Wait, I wanted to be Joan Rivers, though. Oh, well. I mean, she was, <laughs> like the, she was my favorite guest host on this. Yeah, but so, we so were the we, guest hosts. See, you, you're the stars. We're the guest hosts. <laughs> and, uh, and Harris, if you want to be Joan Rivers, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't talk bad about the dead. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening to this Milwaukee Admiral's podcast.